0: Welcome again to Christmas Eve at North Sub. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's so fun to have little ones with us as well as guests from near and far. If you are having to join us online, we miss you. But Christmas greetings to you as well. Let me pray. Lord, you're big and you love us and that makes us glad. Now let the words that I say and let the thoughts we all think be pleasing in your sight. For Jesus' sake, amen. Let's do a quick survey about birthplaces where we were born. So uh, kids, if you need some help from your parents, just lean over to them and uh, get some help from them on these questions. But raise your hand if you were born locally, like northern suburbs of Chicago, Uh, Highland Park, Evanston, Lake Forest, Lutheran General. Uh, Yeah, okay. Raise your hand now if you were born Outside of the North Shore of Chicago, but in the Midwestern U.S.? You're Midwestern, but outside of the North Shore of Chicago. Okay. Yeah. And now raise your hand if you're born outside of the Midwestern U.S., somewhere else in the country or outside of the country. Yeah. Awesome. Good variety. One more question on that. One more. Raise your hand now if the town where you were born was not the same town as the town where your parents were living at the time you were born. So raise your hand if the town where you were born was not the town that your parents were living in at the time that you were born. Raise your hand on that one. Again, ask your parents. Yeah. Jesus actually would have raised his hand for that last one if you caught that in the story because Jesus' parents were from a place called Nazareth, yet he was born in a town called Bethlehem, which wasn't so close by. And that wasn't just some kind of accident of history or Uh, some kind of random event. Actually, it lines up with what the scriptures foretold for centuries before Jesus. Here's how Micah said it in chapter 5 of his prophetic book, hundreds of years before Jesus. He says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. There's a ruler who's going to come from Bethlehem. And then in the story that we've been hearing read step by step in today's service, we've been hearing this wild sequence of events that brought Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem at the time that Jesus would be born, even though that was not even close to the town where they resided. We're going to be asking in just a few brief moments tonight, why Bethlehem? Why, when God could send his Savior, why did he choose Bethlehem of all places? This is the culmination of our Advent in which we've been looking at several questions about this Savior, Jesus. Why a human Savior? Why did God send a divine Savior? Wouldn't a human have done? Uh, why a lowly Savior? Why a royal Savior? And this is our final one. Why a Savior from Bethlehem? Now, I need to tell you this before we jump in. <clears throat> uh, I this summer I had a couple nuggets of thoughts about Bethlehem and how cool this could be on Christmas Eve. Uh, so we slotted it in, and then these last few months I was having a hard time putting it together until. This article came out just this past week uh, by someone named Caitlin Miller. And she just said it exactly the way that I was hoping I'd be able to say it, but couldn't find the words. Through. So I'm actually using her structure. I need to acknowledge that and uh, tweaking that for our purposes tonight. So we're in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. I think in the Savior being born in Bethlehem, there's just three observations about the kind of Savior he was going to be. So we're just going to look at those really quickly. First... Bethlehem, as the birthplace of the Savior, makes sense if Jesus is the Lamb of God. Bethlehem makes sense if Jesus is the Lamb of God. What does Bethlehem have to do with the Lamb? Well, the first time Bethlehem is ever mentioned in the Bible, back in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, is because it's the place where Rachel dies. She's one of the matriarchs of the Jewish nation, one of the heroes of the faith. What does Rachel mean? It means female Lamb. And it goes further than that in the text to tell us that the place where she's buried is called the Tower of the Flock. And over time, the Tower of the Flock became the place where these little lambs were prepared for sacrifice in nearby Jerusalem. Right there in Bethlehem, that's the place where the lambs for sacrifice were prepared. Is that coincidental? Maybe. Until we see Micah chapter 4, verse 8, where he uses that same term. For the place where Rachel was buried. And you tower of the flock. That's where Rachel was buried. The place where the the lambs were prepared. Hill of the daughter of Zion. To you shall it come. The former dominion shall come. Kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. Centuries after Rachel, this is written. But centuries before Jesus. Micah directs our attention to the place in Bethlehem where Rachel said to have been buried. The tower of the flock. And speaking by the Holy Spirit, he says, that's the place where the kingdom is going to come. Our God's amazing. He planned it all in advance, that he would send a savior, that that savior would be born in the town where sacrificial lambs were wrapped in cloths and prepared for sacrifice. Then that that savior would grow up and become known as the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, as his cousin called him. Because just as a firstborn male lamb could stand in the place of a sinful human and be slaughtered for that human sin, so Mary's firstborn would stand in our place and suffer the punishment for our sin. All of that orchestrated by God from eternity past to show us from as many angles as possible that Jesus is the Lamb of God. So I wonder, could this be the Christmas for someone here on which you stop striving to attain God's favor and rather accept Jesus' sacrifice on your behalf? Secondly, Bethlehem makes sense if Jesus is the shepherd king. If Jesus is the shepherd king, even though the first biblical mention of Bethlehem is associated with Rachel, the majority and the most prominent of the biblical references to Bethlehem have to do with King David. King David, the shepherd king, the boy who famously slayed the giant Goliath, even though he was just a shepherd, then became a poet king. This Bethlehem is where that David was from. And this past Sunday, we saw prophecies in places like 2 Samuel 7, where it said that a king would one day come from David's line who would be like any, unlike any other because his throne would be established forever. And then the good news of Christmas is that about a 1,000 years after David, David's, uh, God made good on those promises and sent a new king, a descendant of David, as Matthew's genealogy showed us this past Sunday, but also a shepherd king like David. A shepherd because Jesus says it himself in John 10, I am the good shepherd, and a king. Because when the angel Gabriel announces to Mary that she'll have a son, here's what he says. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He'll be a king, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So we put all those pieces together. We see that God ordained that the Savior be born in the city made famous by the shepherd king. To show us that his savior would be the ultimate shepherd king. And again, I wonder, could this be the Christmas on which you finally bow your knee to the tender kingship of the shepherding rule of King Jesus? Third and finally, Bethlehem makes sense if Jesus is the bread of life. If Jesus is the bread of life, what does Bethlehem have to do with bread? That's the thing, the word Bethlehem actually literally means house of bread. And we don't want to overreach or make up significance where there is none. But when Jesus starts teaching and saying things like, I am the bread of life, one starts to wonder if his birth in Bethlehem is one more example of God being so amazing that there's, there's even significance baked into the name of the town where he was born, pun intended. Remember how Jesus portrays himself? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Friend, Jesus nourishes like no one else can nourish. Do you know that? Maybe this Christmas you're looking back on 2021 and you're realizing that you've been chasing some sort of deep inner nourishment that you can never seem to satisfy. You've tried this, you've tried that, Nothing seems to scratch the itch. There's an emptiness that remains inside of you. A nagging sense that there just has to be something more. I want you to know this evening that God is the one who put that emptiness there, friends. He put it there. It's a God-shaped hole that can only be filled by God himself. Or, to change the metaphor, it's a God-shaped hunger that can only be satisfied by the true bread of life. Could this Christmas be the one? On which you decide you're going to abandon all those other pursuits, other ways you're trying to get full, and try seeking nourishment in him. Well, as you open up your Bible to read the Christmas story one more time with your family tonight, remember, the gospel writers, they didn't just mention Bethlehem in the story for purposes of trivia. God's way bigger than that. He knew exactly what kind of Savior he was sending. And even in the place of the Savior's birth, he was embedding right there in it. Little messages all over the story to reinforce for us the beautiful picture that he was painting. By sending the Savior to the tower of the flock, he was hinting that the Savior would be our sacrificial lamb. By sending the Savior to the hometown of the shepherd king, he was hinting that the Savior would be the son of David, that great shepherd of the sheep, who would conquer the giants of sin, death, and the devil, and sit on David's throne. And by sending the Savior to the house of bread, he was hinting that the Savior would be the only one who could satisfy the deepest hungers within each of us for for transcendent meaning, for ultimate purpose, and for lasting fulfillment. So if you've been looking for satisfaction elsewhere, if you've been bowing to another king, if you've been trying to earn your way instead of accepting the sacrifice of the lamb who died in your place, this Christmas could be when it all changes for you and you begin a relationship with the Savior who was born in Bethlehem. It doesn't matter how long it's been. That you've been ignoring him or rejecting him it could be tonight and it could just start with just a simple prayer talking to him like you would talk to a friend Jesus I recognize I need you you're the Savior I need because I know I can't save myself I've tried you're the bread that satisfies because nothing else does you're the king who deserves my allegiance you're the sacrifice that paid for my sin forgive me make me a new creation in relationship with you a simple prayer prayed like that in sincerity can make this Christmas the Christmas that the whole course of your eternity is forever changed. Let's pray. God, we thank you and praise you that when you sent your son, you did so so intentionally. You didn't scramble for a plan B, but from the beginning of time, Before we even sinned, you already had a plan for how you were going to make it right when we did sin. And so we thank you for for sending him to Bethlehem and embedding in that story so many little messages about the sort of king that you would send. Thank you that that free gift of salvation is available to any who ask for it. And thank you for saving us and for making yourself accessible to us, even tonight in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.